The officiating in the NBA has been awful this season. No other way to put it. So bad that the league should be nervous about the negative effect that it's going to have on playoff basketball and the spotlight that officials are going to be under on that stage. Look, the Sacramento Kings lost to the Dallas Mavericks tonight. Absolutely officiating had an impact on the end of the game. It's not the reason why the Kings lost and the Dallas Mavericks won. But once again, instead of talking about Kyrie's incredible performance, the back and forth game, another great game between these two teams. I'm starting the Locked on Kings podcast and spending most of my time on the Locked on Kings podcast talking about terrible officiating. You are listening to Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season long and soon to be all postseason long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. Look, Kings and Mavericks this season have been a lot of fun. I know the Dallas Mavericks absolutely had to win this game tonight to keep their play in chances alive. They entered the game in the 11th spot. They're just trying to barely sneak in. Then all they have to do, I say all, they have to win two games to get themselves into the playoffs where they're more than likely taking on the, uh, the, the Denver Nuggets. So there's a very, 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 very slim chance that we get Kings and Dallas Mavericks at any point during the playoffs. But if we did get those two teams going against each other, it would make for one heck of a series. I really enjoyed watching this Kings and Mavericks game, even though, of course, I'm not happy uh, with the result. The Kings losing 123 to 119. Yes, the Kings blew a 13-point lead. Yes, offensively, the Sacramento Kings did not look like themselves in the second half, and they turned the ball over far too many times in the fourth quarter. The Kings had their fair share of mistakes. Kyrie Irving went absolutely supernova in the fourth quarter. We're going to talk about all of this, but we need to talk about NBA officiating. And of course, we're going to look at it through the scope of this Kings game. And with my job hosting Locked on Kings, working for ABC 10, covering the Sacramento Kings, I see it through more of a Kings lens than I see it through anybody else's uh, viewpoint. But I try and watch as much basketball outside of the Sacramento Kings as I possibly can. And I'm telling you this, this issue with bad officiating this season goes beyond the Sacramento Kings. Sure, the Kings are one of the most... Uh, uh, penalized teams, wrongfully penalized teams uh, in, in the fourth quarter in, in last two-minute reports, right? Like last two-minute calls have gone against the Sacramento Kings when they shouldn't have more than most teams in the NBA to this point. That's just an undeniable fact when you look at the last two-minute reports, not that those mean anything. But even so, this is an issue league-wide. Officiating has been terrible and has had significant impacts on games for every single Kings or every single team this season. Pro or poor uh, in the Kings' favor against the Sacramento Kings. In the Lakers' favor against the Lakers. In the Mavericks' favor against the Mavericks. It does not matter. Officiating has been so bad for every single team at some point this season that the NBA really has to take a look at it and understand that if this continues, which no reason to believe that it's suddenly just going to fix itself because they're going to the playoffs, if this continues, it's going to be a major topic of conversation. It's already a major topic of conversation in the league now. But if the NBA officiating is this bad, and I'll give you some examples from tonight's game in a second, if it's this terrible when we're talking about 
seven-game series, and every little call at the end of the game could decide uh, a, a team season or not, decide their championship possibilities, or if they're going home and watching the playoffs uh, from their couch for the remainder of the year. Like Every single thing the, the officials do is going to be scrutinized. I understand officials are human. I understand officials make mistakes, and that's part of the game. I expect mistakes to a certain extent. And I typically feel that I have more patience for officiating mistakes than a lot of other media members and a lot of other podcast hosts do. But this year, the calls have been so terrible and there have been such clear uh, moments of favoritism towards certain players or clear moments where the official was just making themselves the story and not doing their job and fading into the background and just trying to do the best they can to call a basketball game straight up the middle. Tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. Again, to make this clear, because I know now Mavericks fans are listening, and if you want to think this is sour grapes, this is fine. I'm telling you, your team, the Dallas Mavericks, did not win the game because of bad officiating. Now, some Kings fans might feel that way. Let them feel that way. It's fine. It doesn't matter. The Dallas Mavericks won this game fair and square for the most part. The Dallas Mavericks didn't necessarily do anything wrong or cheat the Kings in any kind of way. Officiating was bad. It was bad uh, for both teams at different points during this game. We can admit that while also realizing that the Mavericks won this game, deserved to win this game, and for giving them the appropriate props. But the Kevin Herter technical foul was ridiculous. In the fourth quarter, Kevin Herter is hit in the face. The official is standing closer to Kevin Herter and Tim Hardaway Jr. than I'm standing to this camera right now. He is literally right next to the play. Kevin Herter is hit in the face, poked in the eye, which, by the way, should be a flagrant foul. Now, it doesn't matter if Tim Hardaway Jr.'s intent was to hurt Kevin Herter or not, and I guarantee you it wasn't, right? Even after the play was over and after the timeout, the two came together, dapped each other up. Like, it was not malicious by any means. But if you hit a player in the face after he had gotten rid of the basketball, that's a flagrant foul. That is contact being made with no play on the basketball. It is a flagrant foul. Either way, that doesn't matter because Kevin Herter is called for the foul after, yes, he definitely shoves Tim Hardaway Jr. after the play, which I don't know if you've ever been hit in the face before, but typically if you're making contact with someone who hits you in the face, you typically want to get them away from you trying to protect yourself instinctually. So if you had a problem with the shove, I don't know what to tell you. I think he's more than justified in that, in, in that uh, circumstance, and it wasn't like he followed up the shove going at Tim Hardaway Jr. After he was called for the foul, he goes right at the NBA official, who again is standing feet away from this play, and he misses the call. Kevin Herter is teed up after getting in the official's face and arguing his case. Mike Brown challenges the call. They clearly see that Kevin was hit in the face, so they overturn the call, but they keep the technical foul. Someone explain that to me. Because clearly, Kevin Herter has a reason to be upset. He was just hit in the face right in front of the official, and he got called for the foul. He gets in the face of the official, and he gets teed up. That, te that technical foul stays only because the referee essentially got his feelings hurt. That is the only reason to keep that technical foul. And don't tell me, oh, Kevin Herter got that technical foul because he got into the face of the official when Luka Doncic spends the entire game bitching and moaning and complaining and getting in the faces of officials time and time and time again. He does not get called for a technical foul. But when Kevin Herter does it one time after getting hit in the face, He's the one that gets teed up. Tell me that there is not preferential treatment in the league. I know. I know Luka Doncic gets a lot of technical fouls. You know what? He deserves it. 
He deserves it for how much he cries game in and game out. I am a fan of Luka Doncic. I appreciate Luka Doncic as a scorer and what he brings to the league. I think he's a phenomenal talent. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, going to be one of the greatest players in this game when it's all said and done. But he is horrible to watch. Luka Doncic is terrible to watch play basketball. And I'm never going to say that because of the way Luka Doncic acts, that Vladi Divac got the, the, the draft choice right of taking Marvin Bagley over him. That's ridiculous for anybody to say. However, I can say with full confidence that I am very thankful that I don't have to watch Luka Doncic on my team every single night. I don't care what magical passes and magical shots and incredible moments that he has every once in a while that make ESPN. I don't care about those when I have to watch him bitch and moan and complain every single night, multiple times a night. And here you have a circumstance. Here you have a situation where a player is rightfully upset because he was hit in the face in a non-basketball play and he got called for the foul. That player is upset and that player crosses the line for doing the same thing that Luka Doncic has done all game long and that he does every single night. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. The call should have been overturned like it was. The T should have been wiped off. And again, one point did not decide this game. So the Kings probably still would have lost even with that technical foul taken off the board. It has no impact on, or it has very little impact on the final score of this game. I'm not arguing from a sense of if that foul didn't happen, if that play didn't happen, then the Kings wouldn't have lost this game. Probably not. I think that's ridiculous to try and build that breadcrumb trail and try and make that kind of argument. But it's still a horrible, horrific moment that we are talking about more than what happened in the game. The fact that I'm leading this podcast talking about that instead of talking about Kyrie Irving versus De'Aaron Fox. And sure, I could start my podcast that way, but it would be disingenuous because everybody is talking about these, this officiating. Everybody is frustrated about this officiating. And this happened in a regular season game where the Dallas Mavericks absolutely had to win. The Kings had to if they wanted to catch the second seed. But in reality, this loss doesn't hurt the Sacramento Kings that bad. They're fine. It's an easy pill to swallow. It's not that big of a deal. It was a great battle. The Kings lost. Okay, move on to the next one. But here we are talking about an officiating moment that is more than likely going to happen. Maybe it's to the Sacramento Kings. Maybe it's to the, one of the other teams in the playoffs. It's more than likely going to happen. We're going to get moments like this in the postseason where blatant fouls are missed or blatant fouls are not called, or maybe they call a foul that shouldn't have been a foul. And then it's going to have an impact on how the rest, rest of the game goes. And then next morning or in the postgame, that night, everybody's going to be talking about not what happened at the end of the game, not the final score, not what the players did, but what the officials did or did not do and what they got wrong. And it's not just one call, right? Just minutes later, even less than that, De'Aaron Fox is attacking the basket. He gets called for a double dribble when he's hit clearly across the arm. The official, once again, is standing on the sideline right near the play. Completely misses the call. Completely misses the call. Now, if he didn't call it a foul and just said it was a loose ball or the ball was knocked loose and then De'Aaron regained control and continued on with his possession, that would have been fine because guys are hitting the arms and guys are hit all the time going in and around the basket. It just comes with the territory, right? Sure, it was a foul. De'Aaron should have been called uh, or De'Aaron should have been given a foul in that moment. But had he not been given a foul and the play just been allowed to continue, that would have been a million times better than calling a double dribble and issuing a turnover, which did have an effect on the game because at that point, the Kings had limited time and were trying to close the gap late. Another 
blatantly missed call at the end of a game that had an impact on the final score. Another thing that we're talking about instead of talking about what happened in that fourth quarter. When the playoffs come, doesn't matter who the team is, doesn't matter which team is benefiting from it, doesn't matter which team is being hurt by it. There are going to be moments like this and the league is going to have to answer for it because this is not something that's happening out of the blue. This is happening time and time and time again for team after team after team. Whether it's happening all the time for us here in Sacramento, which sometimes it feels like with the last two minute reports, or if it's a situation where LeBron James was uh, was not given a foul at the end of that Boston game and then the NBA officials suddenly made a statement for that about their sleepless nights or whatever it is. It's egregious. It's ridiculous. It's happening far too much this season more than any other season that I can remember. And that's not just going to go away when we get to the playoffs. So yes, I am nervous about how the Sacramento Kings are going to play in the playoffs. I'm nervous about the opponent that they're going to face in the playoffs. And I'm nervous about the three guys in, they don't wear pinstripes, but or you know what I mean. Three guys in officiating outfits or jerseys or whatever the hell they wear. And the impact that they're going to have on that game. Because if the Kings are playing, a Golden State Warriors team, is Draymond Green going to be allowed to get away with things that DeMontis Sabonis can't get away with? Is Steph Curry going to be able to draw a foul that shouldn't be a foul at the end of the game and get to the free throw line when De'Aaron Fox gets hit every time he goes into the paint and he doesn't get those calls? It's ridiculous how many times De'Aaron Fox is hit, how aggressive of a player he is attacking the basket, and he does not get to the free throw line. That's one of the reasons why we're seeing De'Aaron settle for mid-range jumpers and pull up threes more and more and more. Because every time he goes into the paint, he's getting whacked and he's barely getting to the free throw line. So, at this point, I think it's justified to be very nervous. Not just from a Kings perspective, but from an NBA perspective, period. At some point during these playoffs, heaven forbid it's in the NBA Finals. At some point during these playoffs, there are going to be questions made of the officials. And I think the NBA is going to have a tough pill to swallow. Or the NBA is going to have to address it at some point. Because it's been really really, really bad this year. And every single team, while they shouldn't game plan for how the officials are going to call a game, they should be worried about the impact that officials can have, negative or positive, on a game that takes away from the actual basketball being played. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by a great app that helps you make money by doing the things that you're already doing. It's an app called Ibotta. You can earn cash back on every single shopping trip that you go on. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care items to pantry goods. You can either link your loyalty account or you can upload your receipt after you shop and get cash back. It's that easy. You download the Ibotta app, go to the grocery store, spend a hundred and something bucks on your normal groceries, take a picture of that receipt, send it to Ibotta, and you'll get and earn cashback rewards right after that. The average Ibotta user earns $120 a year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. That could uh, give you cash back to enjoy some kind of vacation or save towards any kind of trip or just spend some money on yourself. There's so much that you can do with that $120 a year on average that Ibotta is saving their members. A typical basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive by the end of 2022 than the beginning of the year due to inflation. You can earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta or even more depending upon how much you use Ibotta. Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps will give you points that don't really amount to too much or they have very specific rewards. This is cash that you can use anywhere at any time, you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too, including like Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, 
and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering listeners $5 for trying Ibotta by using the promo code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app uh, and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. All right, now that I'm done screaming about the officials, let's talk about the basketball game. And let's talk about why the Dallas Mavericks won this game and why the Sacramento Kings lost, in addition to some bad officiating. Kyrie Irving was just magnificent, right? Like, I've, I've talked about tipping your cap, right? At some point, some guys do such great things that you just have to tip your cap and, and respect and appreciate. Now, you can't, if you're the Sacramento Kings, always tip your cap at players who especially come into your own building and score more than they should and have it easier offensively than they should, right? You can't just tip your cap every single time. But when you have a performance like what Kyrie Irving had, or you're trying to stop Kyrie Irving and he drops 19 points like he did in the fourth quarter, not missing shots, hitting ridiculous step-back threes with hands in his face. Like the Sacramento Kings, I thought, and I could be wrong here, but I personally thought watching it back, the Sacramento Kings played excellent defense on Kyrie Irving in the fourth quarter. I thought Davion Mitchell took on the challenge a couple of times. Now there was a situation where Kyrie Irving scored a step-back mid-range jumper over Davion Mitchell where Kyrie Irving traveled but I'll also say this for full transparency, DeMontis Sabonis gets away with a lot of travels. I'll just say that just so people know that I'm not just wearing my purple colored glasses. Like DeMontis Sabonis gets away with a lot of travels. A lot of players in the NBA get away with a lot of travels in, uh, in today's world. Should it have been a travel? Absolutely. I'm okay with the non-call because Kyrie still made a ridiculous shot and Davion still played excellent defense. The Kings played really, really good defense against Kyrie Irving in the fourth quarter. It didn't matter. Kyrie was just having that kind of night, right? So full credit and full appreciation for what Kyrie Irving did. Like, he is the reason why the Dallas Mavericks won this game. He completely put that team on his back, hit big shot after big shot after big shot. I believe he passed De'Aaron Fox in points scored in the clutch this season. Um it's still De'Aaron's award, right? De'Aaron is still going to get the Clutch Player of the Year award. I don't think there's any way that Kyrie could take that from him. But Kyrie has been so good at that time, too. And tonight, he went toe-to-toe with De'Aaron Fox. The two went back and forth a couple of times, very similar to how De'Aaron and, and Kyrie went back and forth in the Kings' overtime win over Dallas in Sacramento uh, right before the All-Star break. But Kyrie was just magnificent. So Locked on Kings shares its appreciation for Kyrie Irving for the Dallas Mavericks, I understand how massive of a game this was for Dallas, right? This was just an absolute must-win for them. Trying to sneak into the play, and they had to have this game. No if ands, or buts about it. They had a few nights off. I think they last played on Sunday when they, I think, lost in Atlanta in overtime. Sacramento Kings played last night. So they had to have this game. It was set up for them to win on their home floor, and they did a good job overcoming a 13-point deficit coming back, winning this game, and they did it off the back of their star. I can appreciate that without saying any but after it. The Sacramento Kings also have to look into the mirror a little bit because they only scored, what is that, 48 points in the second half. That is unlike this team, which part of me wants to give credit to the Dallas Mavericks defense, but really Dallas is not a good defensive team. We know this. The Dallas Mavericks are not a good defensive team. Neither are the Sacramento Kings. Both can be true. The Sacramento Kings just missed a lot of shots. They had really one good, really good offensive quarter, right? When they scored, what was it, 44, excuse me, 44 points in the second quarter. They exploded offensively in that quarter. It was great to see. De'Aaron Fox had an excellent first half, had 17 points, I believe, by halftime. But the 
the, the Dallas Mavericks, while they, I think, did a good job adjusting and trying to take things away from the Sacramento Kings, the Kings in the second half, shots just weren't falling. Right? They only scored 48 points in the second half. They had five turnovers in the fourth quarter, leading to seven Dallas Mavericks points. There's the game right there when the Kings lost by six. Oh, sorry, they lost by four. And the Kings had a 13-point lead, which they blew. That's not a big of a, that, as big of a deal as it's been in years past, right? The Kings have come back from 20 points pretty quickly. 13 points is nothing in the modern NBA, so it doesn't surprise me at all that that 13-point lead evaporated as quickly as it did in the third quarter. Credit to the Dallas Mavericks for how they won this game. I'll say this too. Clearly, I'm not the biggest fan of Luka Doncic, as you might have taken away from that first half. I'm only speaking from the perspective of someone who has really only watched the Dallas Mavericks play when the Sacramento Kings have played them. And I'm just saying this from my perspective. Dallas fans, don't get too mad at me. Maybe some of you agree with me. I personally see and feel like the Dallas Mavericks are better off with Kyrie Irving than they are with Luka Doncic. I know Kyrie has his own issues. I know there are rumors about Kyrie leaving Dallas and, and going to the Phoenix Suns this, uh, this offseason. I think that would be catastrophic for that team. Like, again, full respect to Luka Doncic and what he does. But the Dallas Mavericks have looked like a better basketball team. The ball movement has been better. That team has played better when Kyrie was doing everything or was leading the, 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 uh, the, the charge and getting his teammates involved versus Luka Doncic and his ISO-heavy hero ball that he plays all the time. Again, Luka is capable of being that hero, that triple-double machine. I think he has 10 triple-doubles this season. Like, he's capable of winning games because of that. He, he brought the Dallas Mavericks way farther than they ought to have gone to the Western Conference Finals last year. I give them credit for that. But from what I have seen, the way the Dallas Mavericks play basketball with Kyrie versus without Kyrie and through Luka this season, from my perspective, just my perspective, I think that the, the Mavericks are, uh, are better off with Kyrie. Kyrie had 31 in tonight's game. 19 points in the fourth quarter. What's crazy is the Dallas Mavericks only had two guys score in the fourth quarter. Did you realize that? 19 points from Kyrie in the fourth and 12 points from Christian Wood off the bench. No other Mavericks scored, including Luka Doncic, who went 0 of 2 in the quarter. He played about seven and a half minutes, went 0 of 2. However, Luka did finish the game with 29 points, so he still did plenty in the first three quarters. So, again, not trying to disrespect him. I love trash-talking De'Aaron Fox. He was trash-talking. He had a moment with Tim Hardaway Jr. He had the epic look on his face that the cameras caught when Luka Doncic clearly fouled him and then threw one of his many hissy fits, and De'Aaron just kind of stared at him like, you fouled me. Like, what's, what, you hit me on the arm. Like, what's the big deal? Like, <laughs> I love trash-talking De'Aaron. And this is not new. Like, De'Aaron has talked a little bit more to the officials this year than he has in years past. That's why he has his most technical fouls this season than any other season, and it's not close. But De'Aaron's always been a trash talker. Like, De'Aaron has never really... He doesn't initiate it too much, but he never backs down from it. Like, if you, if you watch the clip of the trash-talking moment between himself and Tim Hardaway Jr., Tim Hardaway comes up to De'Aaron. Now, De'Aaron doesn't go anywhere. De'Aaron stays right with him, and they walk up the floor, jawing at each other until De'Aaron has to leave to go pick up his man. And De'Aaron's smiling the entire time. Now, that smile is significant to me because not only do I think De'Aaron's enjoying the moment at that time the Sacramento Kings were up, I think De'Aaron Fox is smiling because he's got all the confidence in the world. And that's like, De'Aaron's demeanor this season has been so eye-opening to me. He just plays with such a confidence. He has such a confidence in himself has such a confidence in his teammates. He believed that what the Kings are doing right now, as magical of a season as it's been, he believes that they were meant to do this all along and they should be doing this and they can do more. Like, that's how De'Aaron 
operates. That's how he carries himself. And he carries that in his trash talking too. By the way, there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong at all between Tim Hardaway Jr. and De'Aaron Fox trash talking. And any Sacramento Kings fans who goes, man, Tim Hardaway Jr. was coming at Fox fierce and I don't, I don't like that. Why? It's basketball. It's two competitors. They did nothing wrong. They jawed at each other. They split up. And that was, that was that, right? It's basketball. It's fine. But I love trash talking De'Aaron Fox. When Fox plays on the chip on his, uh, with the chip on his shoulder, he typically plays well. Tonight, he had 28 points. Now, he shot 10 of 26 from the field. Not very efficient. I, for one, am more than okay with De'Aaron Fox taking 26 shots. I'm fine with it. Even on a night like tonight where he didn't make as many as he probably should. Some of those shots, maybe not the best shots. I don't care. That's your star. Like, if De'Aaron feels like he has to do that to win a basketball game, especially a game as close as this one was, okay. Be my, I'm, living, I'm living and dying. I'm riding with De'Aaron Fox no matter what. If De'Aaron decides to shoot 26 times in the playoffs and the Kings win, nobody cares. If the Kings lose, maybe some people try and pick that apart. But again, unless De'Aaron's shot selection is terrible, which it's never going to be because De'Aaron's not a dumb basketball player and he can get to any spot on the floor that he wants to. If he's missing shots, but he's taking good ones, three-pointers included, I'm fine with it. I'll take it. I'll live with that any day of the week. He also had eight assists and five rebounds. This Clearly, the Sacramento Kings wanted to win this game. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that they're still in the running for the second seed. And we're going to talk about what's happened with the second seed in, uh, in just a second. But I want to reassure some Kings fans who are like, who are in the camp of maybe the Kings should be resting players and gearing up for the playoffs. While it felt like the Sacramento Kings were doing everything in their power to win this game, like they absolutely had to win it. And it was an absolute battle. When you look at how many minutes the, the, the main Kings players played, it was actually pretty good. Like, I, for one, would like to see as much as possible for the, the remaining handful of games, the Kings get less than 30 minutes out of their top guys. If possible, if you can do it, fantastic. But tonight, DeMontis Sabonis led the Kings team in, in, in minutes played with 34 points. De'Aaron Fox played 30, or sorry, he played 34 minutes. De'Aaron Fox played 32 minutes. Kevin Herter played 31. Keegan Murray played 30. I can live with that. It's about average to maybe a little tiny bit below average what they've been playing so far this season. I can live with that. Again, if you can rest them, great. But I'm okay with them playing, especially in a winnable game like this that they want to win and not play. If they were playing 38, 39, 40 plus minutes, then I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe, hey, maybe take it a little easy a little bit, Mike Brown. But he's doing a good job getting Kessler Edwards in there, getting uh, uh, Alex Len in there. Having those guys eat up some of those minutes that Fox and, her, uh, and, and Sabonis are likely going to be playing, and then some in the playoffs. Like, I expect De'Aaron Fox and Tomata Sabonis to be playing 38-plus minutes a night in the playoffs. That's just my expectation. I personally don't think Mike Brown's going to have a rotation much higher than 8, certainly not higher than 9, in my opinion. Could be wrong. Just my opinion at this point in time. But... In a game like this, a hard-fought battle that went down to the wire, a good, tense battle that has some playoff implications for both teams to have your uh, Sabonis be your, your player to play the most minutes, and it's only 34, I'll take that, man. I'm, I'm very okay with that. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. We are in the closing days of the NBA season. Hard to say that normally. We'd be in vacation mode here in Sacramento, counting down the days till 
We could kick our feet up and say, hey, maybe next season. But this year, we're gearing up for the playoffs. And you should be gearing up for the playoffs too, especially with FanDuel. It is the perfect time for you to join FanDuel and start playing right now because they have this thing called a no-sweat first bet, which can give you up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. You just download the FanDuel Sports app uh, or at the Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to even threes drain. So let's say you deposit $50 the first time you play, right? You put that $50 on the Sacramento Kings to, to, to cover the spread against whoever they're playing in the opening round of the playoffs. You lose that bet. Okay, FanDuel doesn't just want to take your money and say, see you later and, and, and ask you to redeposit. They want you to stick around. They want you to keep playing and have a chance to make that money back and make more money on top of that. That's what this no sweat first bet is. It's an insurance policy that you get for free. So you either win that bet and get and make that money and you're already in the green or you get free bonus bets back with multiple opportunities to get yourself in the green. It's one of the great things that FanDuel does and there's so many fun ways for you to play. Plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Congratulations are in order to DeMontis Sabonis for another triple-double. He has now tied Chris Webber for second all-time uh, in triple-doubles in Sacramento Kings history. 14 triple-doubles tonight. He had 19 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists. All right, before we wrap up, let's talk about the Kings seeding situation. The New Orleans Pelicans beat the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. So they did the Kings a massive favor. The Kings, unfortunately, failed to take advantage of that. Had they won tonight's game, they would have had a great chance. I think they would have been one game back with, what is it, two to go to, to catch the, uh, the, the, the Memphis Grizzlies and take the second seed from them. Unfortunately, I, I don't know. I actually, to be honest with you, I haven't seen if it's mathematically possible if now they can even catch it. I, have imag I imagine it's a, if it's not uh, impossible mathematically, it is as long of a shot as it can possibly get, right? A lot would have to go right for the Kings and wrong for the Memphis Grizzlies at this point for the Kings to take that second spot. Again, I have no idea if it's even possible or not at this point. The Sacramento Kings are going to be the third seed. The Kings are going to be the third seed, and they're going to likely play either the Golden State Warriors, the Los Angeles Clippers, maybe the Los Angeles Lakers, which would be fitting in so many ways for the Kings and the Lakers to meet in the Kings' first playoff series in 16 years, nearly 17 years, right? Either way, the Kings are going to get an opponent that's going to have some things to be excited about, some reasons to believe the Kings will win, and some reasons to be nervous. That's just the Western Conference. That's the way it's going to be. So we'll still have to wait and see who the Sacramento Kings are playing. More than likely, in fact, I, I, I feel pretty confident saying the Kings are going to be the third seed come playoff time. It's still home court advantage. And now come Friday, we've got Kings and uh, Golden State Warriors. Maybe a playoff preview. But the final home game, the Sacramento Kings have their final home tune-up before the start of the playoffs. You know, I've talked a lot recently about how the Kings have struggled at home. They've looked a lot better on the road all season long, especially defensively, than they have at home. I don't know if Mike Brown in, intends to rest guys or not. My belief is that Mike Brown won't. I think the Kings starters will still play. I think the Kings starters will still play a decent amount of minutes, hopefully not more than 35. But I think the Kings are still going to try and win that game as best as possible and, and hopefully correct some of the mistakes that they're making at home going into Game 1 and Game 2 in the Golden 1 Center uh, of the opening round of the playoffs.
lot to respond to on today's podcast. You want to talk about the officiating. You want to talk about the Kings and, and, and Mavericks game, Kyrie Irving, De'Aaron Fox, whatever you want to talk about. You can do so with me at any time on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. But for now, we are done. Thank you so much for your support as always. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.